The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. back with another live episode of Wrestling with Jonas, part of the Jonas Podcasting Network, episode 208. Got an awesome guest with me, uh, Jay Lamrod, all the way from Dubai. How the devil are you, my friend? How you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good, all good over here. I hope you're doing well. I just want to say thank you, first and foremost, for having me on. It's uh, Yes, actually, it's really exciting. I found you on Instagram, and I was like, oh, okay, he's got some cool interviews. Let me see what you know, let me see what's going on. And then one thing led to another, and now we're absolutely. here. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm delighted to be speaking today. It's going to be a really, really fun chat. Um, but uh, um, during the course of this interview, Jay, I want to talk to you about uh, your, your career, your wrestling career, all the many fun things that you've been up to over the last 10 years or so. Uh, but first of all, D- Dubai. So you're a UK guy um, living over in Dubai. What, what took you to Dubai in the first place? Yeah, I mean, born and raised in London, you know, from from North London, sort of around Camden Town to be exact, to give you an idea of where in the city, but um, came out here, you know, a good couple of years ago now. Um, So it's been, it's been, yeah, maybe three, four years now. And, you know, I wanted the change of scenery, truth be told. I just wanted the, uh, I love the heat. I'm a a big, you know, I'm a sun uh, follower and everything. And, you know, I just, I, I love the heat, man. Uh, yeah, there's nothing, a lot of people complain because a lot of people are like, oh, wow, it's 50 degrees during the uh, summer out here, 45 degrees. You know what? I'm not complaining. I'll take 45 degrees over the minus, you know, minus one, minus two that we have back home where when it's winter, you get in the car and like you have to turn on the heat in a minute, <laughs> minutes for it to warm up. And, you know, is it, whereas out here, it's actually the opposite. Because out here, you get in the car and you turn on the AC and you blast it as cold as you can and you wait for it to cool down the car. But I, I just love it. So if I had to pick between really hot and really cold, I'll always go really hot. So Dubai was a natural choice for me. And I was like, yeah, let me see what it's like. Let me, you know, just make the most of the sun. I'll tell you what, last summer um, over here in the UK, it got to about... God, 35 degrees, I think, in the summer. And on my birthday, I thought I, I thought I was going to die. I just I couldn't find any shade, couldn't find any cool. Uh, but I'm glad that you, you you follow the sun, that you like it. But uh, Jay, before we get to uh, take a deep dive into your, your wrestling career um, and living over in Dubai and the wrestling scene in Dubai, which I'm really, really keen to find out about, um, a bit of a shout out to our sponsor, uh, 1310 Apparel, that's uh, recently come on board with the Jonas Podcaster Network and this podcast in particular, Wrestling with Jonas, uh, all of their cool stuff. They're a, a wrestling-inspired apparel company based over here in the UK. Um, they sponsor so many cool stuff. People like Chris Ridgeway, Heidi uh, Katrina, of uh, the Silverback, Corey McRae, and uh, Northwest Strong, um, all sponsor uh, or sponsored by 1310 Apparel. You can see them sporting 1310 Apparel um, up and down the land, wherever they uh, wrestle and occasionally on the WWE Network when they're wrestling for progress. And of course, uh, WrestleMerch Central um, have 1310 Apparel's new hardcore line. But uh, all you got to do simply is click in the link, which is in the description to this podcast, 
whether you're watching this live on YouTube or on any of the audio uh, versions of this podcast when they eventually drop, um, just click on the link. It will take you to um, Wrestle Merch Central, 1310 Apparel's global store, and uh, use the promo code 1310WMC to get yourself 10% off at checkout. Um, that's a 1310WMC at 1310's Wrestle Merch Central store. The link is in the description to this podcast. So, Jay, now that we've got the formalities out of the way, Dubai. So you've explained what took you out there, but uh, I'm really, really curious. I've not spoken to anybody from that region before, from that uh, from that country. What's the wrestling scene like over there? I spoke to you a little bit off air, and you occasionally hear of wrestling over in Dubai when there's big money shows, you've got a lot of foreign imports and big crowds, but uh, you're more familiar with the, the smaller independent scene over there. But give us a bit of an overview as far as what wrestling is like in general um, and your experience of it so far. Yeah, so in a nutshell, it's um, the, the, the region, the, the, the GCC region, it's very young out here with wrestling. It's really, really young. So you've got, you've got a few kind of promotions. I think the one that you mentioned is in uh, Qatar. And Qatar is, is actually, like, they've got QPW and they've got kind of imports from the US and, and, and abroad and everywhere. And then you've got kind of the smaller kind of small groups of people that they kind of band together and they create what would you know, a scene, if you will, but it's very, very young. That's the thing. So it's difficult to necessarily call it a wrestling scene because for a scene, you know, like for example, with the UK, it's been thriving for years. It's not yeah. just the independent wrestling that's been taking place or that's been booming over the past 10 years. It's everything that came before that. It's the wrestling that, that kind of, I watched the British wrestling that was like the, the, the early stages of indie wrestling with like FWA. That's what I grew up watching during the early to mid 2000s. And then before that, with, with like the NWA Hammerlock, and those guys were like the predecessors, if you will. And then before that, you had like the world of sports. So there's all this like heritage that kind of gives it enough energy and life for it to be a scene, whether it's big or small or thriving or, or quiet, whatever the case is, it's, it's, it's a scene nonetheless. I think out here, we're at that really, really early stages where we're just kind of planting the seeds. So there's, you know, there's few people here and there. Everybody's young. There's not many experienced people over here. So it's kind of, if you think about it, it's the perfect place to to start a scene if if there are enough people and, and if you have the experience and you're willing to travel over. It's, a, it's an amazing place to set up a scene because the, there are fans, there, there are hungry fans. I mean, look at what the WWE are doing, that they're in, you know, Saudi Arabia, you know, and, and that's literally, it's, it's actually driving distance <laughs> if, if you really want to drive. I mean, it'll take a couple of hours, but nonetheless, it's this region and it's growing and there are fans and they're willing to pay money for tickets to see events and they're hungry for it. They're enthusiastic. It's just about finding enough fans to create a scene and enough talent, whether it's internationally or locally or a mixture of both, and then kind of creating something. And that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm at something that really is almost like a like an embryo. It's very, very, very early stages, but you can see it flourishing. It, I mean, it has the potential to flourish into something that will be fantastic in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And you're involved with or associated with uh, Wrestling ME, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I've, I've caught up with them recently. I've seen a few of your matches, seen a few other matches from Wrestling ME. And the, the crowd, they seem very vibrant, very vocal, very active, very into the action. Um, a lot of the talent seem to know what they're doing. So it seems like um, at that particular promotion, Wrestling ME, are heading in the right direction. But tell us about Wrestling ME, because uh, you are their current uh, world champion. Um, so tell us how you first became involved with them and your journey with them so far yeah so you know 
as, as I mentioned earlier, I, I mean, I moved out here a few years ago. I was living out here. When I came out here, there actually wasn't a scene at all. I think there was a group of people doing a few things here and there, but they kind of disbanded and went on hiatus and things like that. So there was nothing going on when I was here, when I first got here. And of course, I really wanted to wrestle. I really wanted to kind of begin my career and, and figure out what the best way is to start that, kickstart that path. You know, I'm living out here. What can I do? Shall I fly across the world and hope and you know, try and try and make it work that way, or should I try and do something here? And I got in touch with a few people, and there was a guy out here who I, who I spoke to and kind of reached out to a few of him, him and his friends, actually, and, and he individually was buying a ring, and he actually got a ring imported from the UK, and they brought it on, like, a ship, and it docked and everything, and he had all the pieces, and he was like, look, I've got this ring, I've got this idea, I want to start something, and there's a few people that are, you know, enthusiastic about it. So I was like, look, let me know when, when the ring's here. Uh, obviously, you know, I've, I've trained in the UK and I, and I grew up watching it and being around it in the UK. So I'm very well experienced with setting up rings because I've done it a dozen times. So I was like, just let me know when the ring is here and I'll help you set it up. And then that was sort of, I would say, summer 2020. The ring arrived. It had a bit of a delay because of the pandemic. So it kind of took a couple of months. But when it got here, finally, we set it up and we were ready to go. And it's a really small group of guys. Everyone's really young. But there's a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of positivity. There's a lot of kind of, you know, uh, thirst for knowledge and, and everybody's trying to improve and they're, and they're really keen. And I think when you've got a group of, you know, young people that are keen, I think you can really make good things happen. And I've just been there from the, from the beginning and I've just, I was just like, look, I'm, I'm there. You know, I, I want to start a career. I want to wrestle. I want to do something creative and productive, whatever the case is. So in any way that I can help you. And then, you know, one thing led to another and we're here. There you go, absolutely. You know, and look at this picture, Jay, uh, the current wrestling ME world champion. So, I mean, that, that's a, that's a big, it's a young group, a young promotion, as you said, and the scene is kind of just bubbling under the surface. It's uh, got bigger things ahead of it for sure. Um, but uh, that must have made your day when you were made uh, the wrestling ME world champion. Tell tell us about kind of uh, the, the match where you won the title and you, you kind of your feelings afterwards because you must have been pretty stoked. Uh, yeah, well, actually, that's a, the, that's a pretty neat picture as well. I've got to say, pretty class picture. No, I think it is. I think it, <laughs> I haven't got any compliments about it, mind you. Nobody said it's a good picture, but you right now. So thank there you, you go. It's I, official. I but um, no, it's uh, it was an idea that, that sprung to mind between the the person that was holding the championship um, prior to me, and he, you know, he he's the local kind of hometown hero. And I, I'm a big believer in kind of creating that that local kind of hometown talent and, and having a champion that is your, your hometown hero. If, I mean, everywhere you go around the world, if you go if you go to the UK or Japan or the US, it's always it's the same thing, isn't it? So we kind of we had that setup going on. But then I think it reached the point where, you know, he had particular injuries and things like that. And this was really recent, by the way. This was just a few weeks ago. And he was like, hey, look, um, how do you feel about just, you know, winning like a with you know just a small storyline on the show you win a contract and it's almost like a money in the bank you know number one contendership which you can you know cash in uh, as and when you feel like it and just cash that in the night you win it and you know do do what needs to be done so i was like look i'm, I'm happy to do it i'm you know anything that's productive and fun at the same time is always a big bonus and i'm not going to say no to it so just let me know when and we went ahead and did it and it was literally at the end of a show and it was one of those you know, money in the bank style moments where we're kind of just celebrating and we got 
kids posters and stuff and then suddenly i just you know kick in brain buster cash in and then it's over you know just standing on his chest winning so it was kind of one of those moments it's very quick and we haven't actually done a show since so it's it's very early stages but it's uh, it's fun it's, it's, it's exciting and i'm the kind of guy where i would anything i win i kind of show off everywhere even when it's unnecessary i mean i'll go into you know mcdonald's with the belt if i have to like i'll go anywhere with the belt it's, I'm, I'm very kind of that kind of representative I'm, I'm very much so an ambassador if you will absolutely and you're a clear baby face with the fans as well uh very very popular usually in foreign promotions the foreigner um is, is the heel but in this case i mean you, you look you look like a baby face all day long to be honest with you and you were definitely a baby face with the fans of wrestling me um and they've taken you to their heart haven't they well, it's funny you mentioned that because in the UK, I mean, the, the, the small experience that I did have, the entire time that I was training to be a wrestler, it was always, I want to be a heel. I want to be a heel. My promo work, that's where I'm most confident. My, you know, articulation in promos, stuff like that. I'm really good at delivering the heel kind of message. And then when I got here, unanimously, everyone was like, oh, no, you could you could be a face because you're, you're like this hero thing or something. And I was like, I'm, I don't get it, but I'll do it, you know? And yeah, then that's kind of that happened. So for the past year, I have been a face. But yeah, it's all perception, isn't it? It's subjective. It's how you view somebody. If you look at somebody and go, oh, that person, you know, they don't look very nice, then you can, it's safe to say you're going to perceive them as a heel and then vice versa. If you're like, oh, that, that looks like a, that looks like somebody my, my kid would look up to. Oh, now you've got a face. Do you see what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. But I think you, you're doing the business as a, a, the baby face champion of the promotion at the moment. Just sticking with Wrestling ME, uh, one more quick question. Now, they've got their own training facilities, their own school as well, haven't they? Which I'm quite fascinated about. And like you say, with a, a fairly young um, environment wrestling scene in that area, how is it really, really good to attract um, wrestling fans that are interested in possibly learning the ropes, quite literally? And for kind of guys that have been in the business for a few years, like yourself, to you know, keep in shape, knock off the ring rust and learn a few more tricks. But uh, tell us about the, the training academy or the, the training facilities there as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's once again, it's one of those things that is growing. It's, it's, uh, it, it, I've seen it grow from the beginning to now and it's made exponential progress. And now they've got kind of split groups. You'll have your beginner class and the advanced class. And you've got people from all walks of life because Dubai is a very international city. So you've got people that, that relocate here literally from everywhere, you know, and they're, they're all here for work. They're all professionals and they're all, you know, so, so they need, a lot of them come here for the hobby. I would say a lot of them kind of, they want something to do on the weekends. They want something to do on the weekdays, the evenings. And it's, it's a good kind of tool where, where they can get, you know, fit, they can be involved in something that they're a fan of. Uh, and then kind of have that, you know, you, it gives you a sense of belonging being part of the club, which is a huge bonus. I'm a big believer in that. It's really positive when you feel like you're part of a club, you know, and that's really what we're trying to create, you know. Um, it's interesting to see some of the trainees and some of the, you know, what, where they've kind of, how they've discovered it and how they found out about it. Um, we've got people, I mean, literally from all walks of life. There's there's a there's a guy from the US who's a black belt in jiu-jitsu and actually works as a coach at a, at a, a widely established jiu-jitsu club out here. And he comes and trains. He, he trains pro wrestling and he's learning from scratch. So he's having to learn how to bump and things like that. He's a fan of the business, don't get me wrong. He's, he's well aware of, of you know, New Japan and, and wrestling in the US and things like that. But it's interesting to see how somebody that has so much experience in one thing is actually you know, coming over to pro wrestling to really learn how to do something that they actually enjoy watching from a fan's perspective, from a viewer.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really, really fascinating. Uh, have you had much interest uh, with the training facilities or wrestling ME from um, kind of female wrestling fans or, or, or females that want to become wrestlers in that region? I don't know kind of how it's perceived over there. Obviously, we've got a very, very strong, very, very deep um, female wrestling pool of talent over here in the UK. Um, but uh, you get really much female interest in becoming a wrestler over in Dubai yet? That's a really good question. So I would say yes. Once again, it's one of those things, and you, you've heard me say it a good few times, where it's it's really early stages. But in for, for this whole past year, we've had females, you know, girls come and go, and they're and they're you know professionals, and whether they're athletes and other things. So we've actually we had a group of girls come over, and they were part of the uh, the the Dubai uh, roller derby team. So they play roller derby on the weekends. And I don't know if you know much about roller derby because I didn't. But when they told me and they showed me the videos, it's really oh, like it's like ferocious. Yeah. <laughs> so so when it came to learning how to take bumps and you know and we're like breaking your fall, they were really good at it. They were well prepared. They, they were taking the knocks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So so that was one of the things that was quite exciting. And they're kind of there's a few of them that were, you know, that are, that are coming back and they're, they're trying to come regularly. So it's exciting to see because these are the these are essentially going to be, you know, professionals in the future when they're ready to step in the ring and do shows. It's going to be really exciting, not just for for, for the group and the, and the show that we put on, but actually for the region, because in many ways, and I don't know if they realize it in many ways, they're kind of making history, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I asked, because you see when WWE tour Saudi Arabia, for example, and you, you know, the first few shows, they didn't have any rest, uh, female wrestling matches at all. And then they did. And of course, the talent had to cover up. Uh, and now it's becoming more normal for the WWE female wrestlers to be on these type of shows. And I know that it's kind of early grounds. It's kind of breaking ground in that sort of region. But it's good to know that you are getting female trainees. And when they do eventually get on shows, like I say, that's history making. So that's really, really good and very, very encouraging. Um, I want to ask you about your your kind of wrestling fandom now, because, I mean, uh, look at look at this little guy here. Um, he, he's a, a WWE champion all day long, as far as I'm concerned. But where did your, your um, wrestling fandom start then? How was you first introduced to pro wrestling? And uh, how would you say your kind of wrestling taste or fandom has, has maybe changed or uh, evolved over time? So... You know, obviously, you know, growing up in in the UK, there's the world of sport has been on was was it was on ITV up until I think the '88. So my 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 mum watched it religiously with my granddad, who was diehard wrestling fan. You know, they they watched it, and it's it's funny because it really kind of kind of followed through. And they were they were very they were the they were the absolute example of a wrestling fan. They would tune in, they would boo the bad guy, cheer the good guy. They love Big Daddy. Oddly enough, my mum was a big fan of Mick McManus, even though he was, you know, a heel. So was, I don't know what, what that's all about. But there was something to it where they were invested in the in the in the wrestlers, and so that, there was always that kind of that foundation. But for me individually, personally, I think the first time I ever became exposed to it was kind of in the late '90s. And I vividly remember. I think the year was like. 98 give or take uh, 97 98 you had on the free channels you had on uh, uh channel five every saturday at 7 p.m you had wcw and and uh, it was always it was always an out it was because at 6 p.m you had fort boyard that game show so we'd watch fort boyard and then oh, we'd good watch memory good memory yeah <laughs> yeah 
I mean, I don't know if it was around the same time or if it was one or two years later, because bear in mind, I was about seven or eight years old, but I think it was about one or two years later when Channel 4 on Sundays, about four in the afternoon, you would have a Sunday night heat. And I vividly remember watching that as well. I remember, so the first people I ever kind of kind of saw was I re remember watching a Stone Cold uh, and Kane segment that was kind of like, it was on Sunday Night Heat where it was kind of giving you a recap of what happened on Raw. But, but we didn't have Sky Sports, we didn't have cable, so I never watched Raw, SmackDown or, or anything, or you know, anything like that. I was always watching these free shows that was Sunday Night Heat on Channel 4 and then WCW Thunder that was on Channel 5. And that was my entry point into wrestling. And obviously you don't really understand what's going on, but you're captivated by these characters who are larger than life they're entertaining you you're invested into it and obviously my mom who, who supported the fact that i was invested into it because she was invested into it you know one plus years before that so it was one of those very supportive kind of positive things in my household they were happy for me to watch it i was engrossed in the storylines i loved it I, I kind of religiously tried to see as much as i could and get all the action figures and you know things like that and then one thing led to another i think fast forward to I followed it religiously up until 2004, and that was the year that I went to my first live show. So I was about 12, I was about 12 years old by in 2004, and in the newspaper um, we saw a cut. We saw like a, a, a cut-out advertisement saying free tickets to a wrestling show nearby at the leisure centre. You know, if you can answer this question and text the answer correctly, you'll win it. So I knew what the answer was. It was something very basic. I knew, I knew what the answer was, and my mum texted it, and then we got free tickets. And we turned up to the show, and it, this was in Enfield in, in North London, and um, we turned up to the show, and this that was my very first kind of experience, and that was um, that was an FWA show. It was an FWA show, and it was, a, it, was a, it was actually promoted by a promoter who now runs, his name's Sanjay Bagger, he now runs LDN Wrestling, which is one of the, it's still going on today, it's one of the largest tour and wrestling promotions in the UK. So, I mean, from to think, from 2004, I was just 12 years old, and that was the first time I ever saw a live show, and you can imagine all these little things really play a role in, in the decision-making process of what you want to do later on in your life. You know, a lot of my friends, you know, they want to, be football players and whatnot and rugby and all this that I was zoned in I was purely all about pro wrestling it was nothing else and you couldn't convince me otherwise and once you've seen it live you know what the energy's oh, like 100 it's like as a 12 year old I'd made my mind up I was like I'm going to be a pro wrestler yeah absolutely and what was there any larger life characters that really captivated you that really kind of pulled you in as a fan did you have any favorites when you were growing up Ooh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, where do you, where do you begin? So I've obviously I've got the I've got the favourites that um, I've got the favourites in terms of when I was twelve, thirteen, who were the British wrestlers because I kind of I knew who they were and I would seen them in person, so it was a lot more tangible. And then there were the favourites that were in the WWE who I kind of looked up to, and these were the ones that I had the posters on my wall and the action figures and so on and so forth. I think um, I think as a sort of as a kid growing up, what the, the, the WWE guys had to have been, without a shadow of a doubt, um, I was a huge fan of DX, Triple H and Shawn Michaels. And then one thing led to another, and I was a big fan of Evolution. So obviously, Triple H, Batista, Randy Orton, just, just like every kid, you know, so invested into these characters. I loved it. That Evolution storyline in 04, 05, 
it just had such an effect on me. And that, that kind of stuff is magic when you think about it. That's the effect that if you're a wrestler, you want to have that same kind of effect on kids that are watching you. That's what I put massive emphasis on. I, I want to tell a story that has some kind of effect the way that, that those storylines had on me because I was so emotionally kind of tapped in. Um, and then of course, the British wrestlers that I watched live at shows, you know, one of them was uh, Ross Jordan, who is currently wrestles as RJ Singh, yeah. Doug Williams, I was a diehard fan of, Jody Fleisch, Johnny Storm, these guys, uh, Justin Richards, who actually fast forward to 2008 or 2009, became my coach, which was just a, it was just a crazy kind of mind-blowing thing, especially as a teenager to kind of come full circle, because you know the name, you've read it on the internet, you know who they are, but you've never spoke to them, and then finally, you know, well, or you know, the next thing you know, they're, they're coaching you, which is interesting. So it's uh, very fascinating stuff. But that, that's in a nutshell, I would say, in terms of favorite wrestlers and, and inspiration. That's awesome. And, and how did you fall into your training then? Because off air, you mentioned that you started training back in the mid-2000s, 2005, 2006. You must have been very, very young when you started your training. How did you come about training school and what was that kind of catalyst for stepping through that door on the first day and starting your training? Well, as you can tell by that picture that, that you put up of me as a little kid, I was uh, I was big into backyard wrestling as a lot of kids. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was by the shed there, I was pulling out tools and setting up tables and we, you know, we had mat mattresses that we'd find in a skip and we'd all collectively carry it to a park nearby and put on shows and everything so we were backyard wrestling that was already happening but then you reach a certain point where you have to get trained you have to know how to do this properly by an actual coach so we kind of i i can't remember how i stumbled upon it but there was a, a school that was in east east london i think near mile end or something and it was called revolution british wrestling and there, there was some there were some legends there who at the time i'm bear in mind i'm, I'm this is 2005 so I'm, I'm 13 going on 14 at this point and there are people like um, George Castano. There's all and there's all these like legendary like wrestlers that you know now if you mention their name you know that they're legit. And I had no idea. I was just a 13 year old kid. So I turn up. I'm in my land. I'm in you know East London. I've got no idea what's going on. They and they're teaching me bumps. And I had bruised ribs for like a month or, or two. You know after that. But you just kind of keep going. You go on and off as and when. I think a, a big thing for me was obviously money. It was kind of time and money kind of thing. Um, but I got, I was do, delivering newspapers when I was in when I was 13, 14 uh, near my house, and I was getting uh, eight pound a week, and I was so I was getting four pound a day, and I did two mornings, and it was like a, a Saturday morning, Sunday morning. I'd wake up really early and like literally drop off newspapers, and then that eight pound a week with the the sessions, the wrestling sessions were five pounds a class. So it was covering those classes, and I had a little bit left on top to get like sweets and stuff. So I was really happy. I was I was chuffed, you know. Um, but obviously, as time went on, then uh, I found another school which was LDN. LDN had their kind of academy, and that was a lot closer to me because that was in North London. It was in Edmonton, and that was uh, that, that I started training there in 2006, kind of on and off. Still kind of backyarding, still playing around with my friends, still just being a kid. I was just a kid. I was 13. Oh, of course, 14. yeah. And then. Finally, when I reached, I would say about 17, I was a lot older by that point. You know, I, I kind of made the decision, me and one of my friends who I'd been backyarding with for, for years at this point, we were like, why don't we get together? We can train and then we can be a tag team and I actually wrestle, you know, on the on the pro circuit. So we did LDN and that's where we came across um, 
who became my coach, Justin Richards. And it was Justin Richards and it was Adam Mansfield who, who joined him. And uh, Justin Richards is just, just an incredible coach. You know, not, I mean, there's so many things that I learned going to his classes and it's, I learned how to be an athlete. I learned how to be disciplined. I learned the meaning of respect. You know, I remember the first class we walked in, he's having us do burpees for like 20 minutes. Everybody's sweating, everybody's on the verge of tears. I'm there, I'm about to throw up. My, my friend, my partner like leans in and whispers and he's like, look, why don't we just grab our bags? You know, go to the t toilets. Just tell them we just run into the loo, and then we just quickly like jump out the window, or, like run out or something through the fire. <laughs> but we were actually we we're thinking of ways we can run out, we can escape. Fortunately, we didn't, and we we earned his respect, and hopefully, and we you know we carried on training. But from that point onwards, I'd say from seventeen is where I truly was training consistently. I was going every single week, you know, all the time, and it was a great learning experience. And it actually turned me into an athlete. It really did because it opened up the doors to, the doors to play other sports, and I took the same discipline that I learned from what Justin put us through, and I applied it in different sports. So it kind of. I had a different level of intensity that I probably wouldn't have had had I not been exposed to it, you know? So it's really, really good, really valuable when you think about it because you can't get that ever again. You can't, you can't, yeah. just, Justin Richards doesn't coach anymore. So I, I don't, even if you offered him all the money in the world, I don't know if he wants to. So he must so be so cool. happy that you kind of went through that experience and went through the pain and saw it through and learned what you did at the time. Like you say, oh, you yeah. can't, you can't, you can't, that, that experience is, uh, you know, priceless, isn't it? Absolutely. And he, he came from the generation before. So he came from the NWA Hamelock days during the 90s. And he kind of, he had a hand at training. I think he was involved in training Drew McIntyre, um, the Justin Gabriel, I think he's known as uh, PJ Black on, on the independent yeah. scene, people like that. So for me to even get a, a, just a glimpse of that and just a glimpse into that world of the generation before me, it was just so valuable. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for for Justin, Adam Mansfield, um, you know, Sanjay Bagger, the promoter who was running the school, trying to hold it all together. There's about 30 students and it's, you can imagine what it's like trying to, you know, run that and trying to keep it in a, in a way that it's, it's growing and professional and people are progressing. But fast forward, me and my friend, we did our tag team match. We had a great time and the rest Team is Fit, wasn't it? Was it Team Fit? <laughs> yeah, it was Team Fit. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the inspiration behind that team then? Because we couldn't come up with a name. And we wanted to have the same name, and and uh, you know we were just like, look, why don't we just be cocky, the, the cocky young guy, you know, who's like, you know, whatever, like good, good looking and arrogant and easy to get. It's that cheap heat kind of you know mentality, and we're like, yeah, why don't we do it? And you know, we'll just show off, and we're skinny, and we'll jump around, and we'll get annoying, we'll get on people's nerves, and we'll wear the same tights and things like that. So we ordered the same tights, ordered the same boots, we're literally matching. And it was just it was just something we threw together just on spare of the moment. We're just like, let's do it. And we did it and it was good fun. So so how long was you on the UK scene for then? Because we'd spoken a little bit off air and we established that there was obviously a, a big gap between when you started out and kind of, you know, you're running Dubai and everything you've done in America. But uh, did you do much work on the UK scene when you first started out? Yeah, so no, not really, because I never pursued it, truth be told. Um, I, I, there was many different factors, I would say. I would say, obviously, money was one of them, to be honest. There was a point where I was uh, training at a, uh, and it's actually funny now that I think about it, but I was training at uh, the EWW kind of place. They had training every week, and they were down in Hastings. Bear in mind, I was living in North London, 
So if I'm lucky, I can get a train ticket for about 40, 40 pounds. And then the, the training class costs about 20 pounds. Uh, to get there takes about three hours because I got to get on the tube down to the, the station where I get on the train and the train is two hours. The tube's about 45 to an hour. So that's three hours one way to spend like 65 quid every week when I was working in boots stacking shelves for like at the time was £5.80 an hour or something. It was like minimum wage. It was like yeah. six pounds an hour if I'm lucky. I, I, I was super young and I just like, I literally just didn't have the money. That's literally what it boiled down to. I couldn't, I couldn't afford it. I needed to kind of save up and things like that. And you know, and I think a lot of times, you know, a lot of kids they kind of have that. I don't know. They have that ability where their parents might be able to kind of, you know, fund them and things like that. It never happened for me. It was more for me. It was more of a hustle. So I was like, look, when the time is right, I'll do it. Whenever that is, however long that takes me, whatever I need to do, I'll figure it out one way or another. But it just kind of never happened. So. Uh, so then kind of, it was on and off, but um, I remember at one point I was doing security work in 2014, 2015, and I was training a little bit at Progress as well. And they had a deal uh, where you could train unlimitedly, and it was like, you could go as much as you want, many times per week, um, and it was like £70 a month. And I just remember thinking, man, I just, I just don't have that. I literally just don't have that £70 a month. If I could, I would, but I physically didn't have it. So it, it, that's what it boiled down to. And then kind of I focused on getting a career. I focused on getting a, a job where I can earn a living, save up, do the things that I needed to do. And then obviously fast forward, I'm, I'm living in Dubai. Now I'm, I'm making, you know, decent coin. But, now, but then I reached the point where there's no scene out here. So, so when I was here, I was like, I've, I've got the money. Like I'm, I'm earning a good living, but there's no, there's no scene to even do it out here. So it's kind of the flip end when you come out here. But I think everything happens for a reason. You know, and uh, and I think I felt like last year was the right time to really go full force. And I would say last year is the 2020 is the year that I really kickstarted my career. And now I'm just going full steam ahead. You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. Now I've got to say, from all of my research, looking through your Instagram, which is a fantastic uh, page, by the way, I think there's lots of you working out uh, your physique is fantastic you've already spent uh spent the hours in the gym developing uh, and crafting your body but but when did the kind of the, the gym aspect and the bodybuilding aspect come into it i've got a, another picture i'm going to throw up here i mean look at this guy here that is pretty impressive yeah pretty good but uh, obviously you've done um, bodybuilding competitions jay Tell us yeah. about kind of like the, the regime, the workout ethic that you've gone through from probably a very early age to the point where you're competing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because when I mentioned earlier, you know, the, the, the discipline that you get from pro wrestling and what I had gotten training, I'd actually applied it to that. So even though I wasn't necessarily wrestling matches every weekend when I was in the UK, I was like, I'm still gonna do something. I'm still gonna be productive. And there were so many things that I'd signed up for. There were so many things that I was doing. I, I kept myself busy, you know, I was, so I've been doing CrossFit more on and off, but, but pretty strict since 2015. I competed, that picture was in 2016, which was a competition. So I was like, you know what, I'm pretty lean. Why don't I sign up? And that was, uh, that was in, Portsmouth, I believe. And then, so that was, I signed up to that. And then I did another one. Um, I, I, was, I was thinking in my head, like, what can I do to keep myself productive 
that isn't going to cost me like a membership because to, to bodybuild didn't necessarily cost me a membership. I was training at the gym that was like nearby my house and that was 10 pound a month, 15 pound a month. Like it was so affordable, so doable. It wasn't like kind of, it wasn't taking up too much of my time and I was going anyway for pro wrestling. So it was always something that was an inspiration of mine because when I look back at what kind of led me to kind of get into it, it was the, the wrestlers that I looked up to. It was these larger than life characters. That's what I appreciated. I appreciated these characters that were larger than life, strong, physical um, characters, if you will. So, you know, wrestlers, superstars, WWE superstars. It was always these, you know, these shows of strength that really made me enjoy the product. I remember vividly watching um, Brock Lesnar superplex the big show and then like the ring like imploded. That had a huge effect on me. Like those small things, I was like, well, I, I, I want to be like that, you know? And obviously when you're a kid, you don't understand anything. If you're like 12 years old, you think, oh man, like how did that, how does that happen? So, you know, then when my friends around and we're having sleepovers, I'm like throwing them through the bed and then we're like cracking the bed frame and things like that. And we kind of, you know, that's, we try <laughs> We've all do done that. Yeah, I've done that as well. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was always these, it was my favorite pro wrestlers growing up were, did tend to be these, bigger characters, it was Kane, seven foot, 320 pounds, you know, The Undertaker, 6'10", 315. You know, I, I memorized their heights and weights. It was something that had a huge effect on me, an influence, if you will, without me even realizing it. So I, when I was at uni, when I was at school, when I, even after, I was I was still training. I was I never stopped training. I never wanted to kind of not train because that was who I was. That was well, that's what had a profound effect on me as, such a young age and I remember um, there was an interview with Triple H where he's saying if I can inspire someone to pick up a, a dumbbell or, or a barbell that's my job done and I really thought about that when I was younger and I was like well you know here, here I am like I'm, I'm young like I, I should do that I should I should take that into consideration and actually put that to action you know and that's one thing that led to another and I've kind of been you know growing over the years and and now it's funny because now I really want to say the same thing I, I want to say, if I can inspire someone to go to the gym, to go running, to pick up a weight, to do something productive, if I have inspired you in any way to do that, that's my job done. Like that makes me happy because I was literally on the, I was in that position when I was younger. So if I can then give back and contribute that way, oh, best feeling. 100%. Absolutely. And so am I right in thinking that you got the opportunity um, over the last year or two to wrestle over in the States? Uh, probably quite recently, actually. Um, tell us about that. How did that opportunity arise and uh, um, what happened out there? Tell us about your experience in the US. So you know what? I've, I've had I had a good few kind of opportunities and it never aligned for whatever reason. The pandemic, really, it was the travel restrictions, flying from here to there and, and kind of traveling back and forth. And, and you know, you, it, it changes everywhere, doesn't it? You've got different requirements. You've got different needs. You have to do your research. You can't just book a flight and hope that, you know, you, you just need a, a negative PCR test. It might be more than that or it might be less than that. So these are things you have to be mindful of. Finally, it happened. It was in August, so it was only what uh, about six weeks ago, maybe almost two months ago. I went out there with the missus. We went out for a road trip down the uh, east coast, and we just wanted to travel. We just wanted to, you know, have a vacation. But the opportunity came, um, and the opportunity was there. And I, it was in Staten Island. It was in New York. And, and oh man, the heat that I got—it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. It was kind of crazy. I will say it was kind of crazy because there were people that. The unanimous like chance of USA ringing through the the building, 
because everybody hates as soon as they hear your accent and like, oh my god and then me kind of <laughs> fuel to fire because i'm i, I literally sh shoulder tackle the guy and then it, you know i just i just look around and go so this is america huh and then everyone is just like boo like it's so loud and crazy <laughs> and, uh, i got to the back and uh, like they were they were happy the, the promoter like shook my hand and was like Good job, you know. Good job. You got them to, to hate you, which is which is what you want as a performer. You need to get that reaction. You need whether it's cheers or booze. You need a reaction. So I'm really, really grateful that they booed me and with with a lot of passion, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So it's so obviously you've got your career in Dubai at the moment, but you've you've sampled wrestling, indie wrestling over in the states uh, and over here in the UK. Um, if you got the opportunity, would you like to? You know, come back over here to the UK or do a bit more work over in the States. Um, have you got any goals or plans as far as that's concerned sometime in the future, of course? Without a shadow of a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt. And it goes back to the travel restrictions. I think um, for the longest time, we haven't actually been able to kind of go with ease to back home to the UK. I think now we can. So uh, without giving too much away, there are some things around the corner, John, that you you, you might find that are quite entertaining. So, so, the plan is absolutely to wrestle in the UK and uh, and in the US again. And you know, I've got some, I've got some pretty. I don't know. I don't even. I've got pretty big goals. I wouldn't necessarily call them big. I would just say they're, they're dreams. They're dreams that I really want to. I really want it to be real. I want to do it. I desire it. And I'm kind of. I'm also not ashamed to say it out loud. Like I think that you should be able to say your dreams and goals, no matter how big they are, no matter how far away it might seem for some or unrealistic or whatever the case is i think you should have those goals but uh but no no you, you'll see me in the uk for sure very soon oh looking forward to it absolutely let me know where you're going to be and i'll try and get there for sure but uh um speaking of taking things to the next level now now one of my favorite shows a few years back on tv was uh, man versus food you've probably yeah. seen it you, you probably know which uh, show i'm talking about and where i'm going with this uh but you've done your own food challenges in the past haven't you jane and tell us about them because i've got it down here that i mean i, I saw your video 12 crispy creams in under five minutes pretty impressive my friend um you you the kfc spicy bucket challenge the 10,000 calorie fast food challenge you've done the lot uh in the name of entertainment uh, and i don't know if it's been um, necessarily for the benefit of your health uh, but tell us about these fast food challenges how it all started and what inspired you to do some of these crazy feats i'm a big foodie i love food and that, that's that's one of the reasons that was actually one of the main reasons why i wanted to go to the us uh, a few you know a couple of weeks ago sorry a few months ago um <laughs> I love the food. I just, I love, I, I just love it. I'm, I'm constantly, you know, I've got a fast metabolism, so I think that's a bit of a blessing because I think, oh, I think sure. you, have, yeah. you have to be a bit more careful. But uh, <laughs> I definitely, look, I, I love food challenges. It's very competitive. It goes back to that kind of competitive mentality, uh, and I love the idea of something that if I, if I win, like I think for me, the first time it happened, I was at uni, and there was, um, I can't even remember the place, but it's a. It's not a harvester, is it? There was there's a, there's a well-known chain like that, that that had a food challenge on, and it was in our area. It was near our uni campus, and they said they were like, if you can eat 24 ounces of beef in this burger with like a huge portion of fries and and like a giant drink or something, if you can do that in under half an hour, you'll get it for free. And bear in mind, I'm at uni. You know, I'm trying to I'm living frugally. Like if, if anytime anyone offers you something for free, like the, the answer needs to be okay. Like what at what cost? You know, what's what's what do I have to do essentially? 
So, um, so that's kind of how it started. And, you know, I love the idea of kind of not having to pay for it and eating a lot of food. And that kind of led to that. And yeah, and then I realized I was like, actually, I'm, I'm, not, I'm pretty good at it. And it's not, not too bad. Like I did it in like really good. I think I did it in that half an hour one I did in like 12 minutes. I was like, all right, well, then I might be onto something here. And when you're at uni, you just watch TV all day anyway, like apart from your studies, of course. So, um, so we were watching Man vs. Food and Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives. It was those two shows. I love those two shows. <laughs> fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And it makes you hungry and, and you get that false sense of confidence where, where you're like, oh, you know, if he can do it, so can I. Or, or like you're watching have like the hot wings or something, you know, like, oh, I'm sure I could do that. And then it kind of, you know, one thing leads to another and you end up doing it. I did some really crazy ones. I think in uh, in Camden Town, they, they had a, uh, a barbecue grill that had, they wanted you to eat. It was like two kilos of ribs and then three portions of chips in, in under like an hour or something. And they had like a leaderboard and it was all like like on a blackboard with chalk. And I kid you not, and I, I think the video is on YouTube, I did it in like 11 minutes or something ridiculous. And in the video, I specifically like turned the camera to get the monitor. Because the manager turns to the camera and was like, we've never seen anything like this. And they're like writing my name on the board. And I was like, that's incredible. Like, I, I, I don't even know what happened. And then there was another one in central London where um, it was like three, it was a triple chili challenge. I it's, it's that meat liquor. That's it. It was that meat liquor. And it was a triple chili challenge. I can't even remember the rules. It was like, you have to eat two hot dogs, a burger, and some fries. It was something of that nature. Uh, and it was like chili cheese fries. And then you've got you've got like X amount of time to do it. It might have been half an hour. And I think I did that. No, I think it was 10 minutes. I think it was 10 minutes. And uh, I did that in like five minutes or something. The video is on YouTube. I can't even remember. This is from like 2016, but I did it in five minutes. All I remember is going back there a month later. And I was like really cocky and really like, you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah, any, anytime I walked past, if I was with my mates, I'd always point and be like, see that place? I did the challenge. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, oh, let's go in. Like, let's I know the manager. Like, I know the boss. Because, you know, just, <laughs> you kind of get all that confident feeling. I go in and the manager's just shaking his head at me. He's like, sorry, Jay. And I'm like, what? What happened? He's like, you got beat. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, it can't be that that bad what do you mean i got beat I, I did it in like five and a half minutes like that's tremendous what, what do you mean what what did he get like five minutes 20 seconds like do you know like how far did he beat me by and he was like it was a tourist from the states he was on holiday out here he came in did it in two and a half minutes wow <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> wow <laughs> that's the craziest thing i've ever heard so that yeah so then after that it was kind of I was, I was like, all right, I think I need to step back from the food challenges, humble myself a bit. I think the lesson learned is that whenever you think you're great at something, there's always someone out there that can surprise you. You never know. There's always people out there that might be better than you. So it was a good lesson learned. Because you, you see online, I mean, competitive eating is a big business. And it's a you know, it's some uh, good rewards out there for, for the, the real top ones. But uh, maybe that's something for you to consider after wrestling, maybe. But are there any kind of um, eating challenges or any any kind of, any YouTube video plans for doing an eating challenge in the future? Any any kind of foods that you haven't uh, challenged yet? Oh, very good you ask, actually. This was about, well, this is, was, it was a while back. It was about nine, ten months ago. But there's a taco place out here in Dubai. 
and they <laughs> they do like the 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 proper like Tex-Mex like American tacos with a crunchy shell. They stuff it with the you know anything any topping of your choosing. It could be chicken, pulled chicken, chili con carne, whatever it is. And um, I rocked up there, and it was an all you can eat. And it was literally all you can eat. And they were like, if you if you beat the record, you win a T-shirt. And I was like, okay, like you're just pulling me in here. So I was like, all right, what's the record? And they were they were like 30, 30 or like thirty one tacos. And I was like, okay, all right, let let me try and figure this out. So I went one time with my missus. I had about nineteen tacos, and I was pretty bloated. Uh, but it was all chicken. I just kept getting like pulled chicken and, and different types of chicken. And then I went second time and I did chili. And I kind of hit like 24. I was like, okay, like, but that's me at a stretch. And the record is 31. So it's another six tacos on top of that. Can I do that? I finally go with the, the with my friend. And he was like, look, you have to do this. It's, it's for the t-shirt. It's, you know, it's for the sake of, it's who you are. It's, how, it's what you, you have to do it. So I went in there. Put my put my thinking cap on. Put, put my focus on. I filmed the whole thing, and I did thirty-two tacos. Oh, and, that's, and that record still stands right now. You never know. I might go there tonight after this, and they might have somebody might have beaten it. But as of now, as of my as of what I'm aware of, they've done the, the record is mine, and it's thirty-two tacos. That's really good. Congratulations, my friend. But I want to talk to you a bit about your your acting now because uh, I saw on on your socials once again and your your YouTube. You've, you've done a little bit of acting, you've dabbled a little bit, you've done some commercials and one or two other things. Uh, tell us about that, because I think you, you've probably been into acting from a very early age. It's just things you get involved with occasionally. But how do some of these opportunities come your way? And tell us about some of the things you've done. Yeah, so, you know, I, I studied it growing up. When I was in college, I did musical theatre. And uh, musical theatre, believe it or not, was great for me in terms of like wrestling, because because what we were doing in our for for a lot of our work was we would do like for our exam we would do like an interactive pantomime where it was a it was a pantomime and let's say it's like a a re a recreation of Cinderella for example but you would feed off of the crowd's reaction so there'll be a, a live audience and they would respond to you and how they respond is kind of would lead the direction of, of the play oh, of really interactive and when you think about it it's very much in line with wrestling because in wrestling you're you're feeding off of the sound that you hear you're feeding off of the, the response that you get from the audience so it was very good and it was very um very educational for me and it was something that came natural because i was all about cutting promos i love cutting promos i was i was the promo kid when i was training i was the promo kid when i was backyarding i that, that was my favorite part of wrestling was the storytelling i love storylines i love doing something that you know, is and and classic WWE during the the Attitude Era. It was all stories. Think of all like the you know Rikishi and the Rock and and Stone Cold and everything. You know, so that the promo aspect kind of ties in with acting, and you need to be able to deliver or at least perform a particular message across to the the, the audience so that, that that they can get emotionally invested in and that they can enjoy and, and kind of feel entertained by so for me having that performance aspect that theater aspect came very natural and i did a lot of acting i did a, i did kind of odd jobs here and there that were kind of a lot of them were more for the experience and i was pretty young at the time but it was super valuable super duper valuable and then kind of it was one of those things where when I was out here, I actually did a, a pretty big commercial for, for the, they've got this thing called the World Islands out here. They've got islands that are in shape of countries and stuff. And I did a, a commercial out here. And it was just one of those things where you look back and go, 
if it wasn't for wrestling, I probably wouldn't be doing this. I probably wouldn't really know about it. I might not have the same confidence, if you will. So I suppose the one kind of recurring theme throughout all of this is wrestling has given me so much, not just as an athlete and the discipline, but also as an actor and the confidence in performing and like literally conveying a message and being able to do it in a way that is articulate and professional and, and you know, colorful in a way that people can watch it and be entertained. That, that all boils down to wrestling. That all originates from wrestling. How funny is that? So it's two completely different unrelated things, but from one industry, one business. That's it. Everything is wrestling at the end of the day. It all ties together. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, but Jay, as we start to wind this interview down, uh, what's the kind of plans? What's the immediate future for you? Have you got any any bookings or any uh, um, wrestling shows, events that we can kind of uh, hopefully see you at live or maybe watch you on the internet? Um, kind of what's your bookings like and where can we see you wrestle in the coming, coming weeks or months, basically? You'll always be able to catch me on, on social media, Instagram and YouTube, and you know, you'll always be able to find me there. And that, that will be something that you will see regularly and consistently and more of, because I'm kind of in the early stages of my career now. So that's something that's gonna only it's only gonna grow with time and you're gonna see more of it. Absolutely, you're gonna see me in the US uh, uh, over the next few months. Certainly you're gonna see me in, in the UK very soon. Absolutely. I mean, um, one place that I can confirm, I can give you with, with the confidence for confirmation right now is, is LDN Wrestling, um, just because it's, it's, it's something that I've, I've got a tremendous relationship with and, and the door has been, been open there and it's, it was the place where I originally trained as well. So it kind of comes full circle. I'm very much looking forward to it and that's, that's going to happen very, very soon. I mean, it's, it's literally as, as soon as I can get to the UK, that's pretty much what it boils down to. So, so I mean, I'll keep you in the loop and, and for everybody we'll that's in the announcement, yep. Help spread the word on that one for sure. Yeah, and you know, you could keep track of me on, on social media because I, I kind of I, I try to keep regular updates on there. But I would have to say the ultimate goal, uh, the, the 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 destination, the place I want to be is the WWE. I want to be a WWE superstar. That's all it boils down to. That's what entertained me as a kid. That's what that's the product that I enjoyed watching when I was a kid, and I, I want to do the same. I want to contribute to the business, I want to contribute to the WWE specifically the same way that it kind of gave me so much. Everything that we've spoke about in terms of, you know, my confidence and performance as an actor, my discipline and approach to being an athlete, all these things is, is really thanks to the WWE. And if I can, if I can go there, which which I, I believe I will, if I can go there, if I can be there, if I can contribute in a positive way and then give back in a positive way and entertain young kids in the audience who, who kind of, might be the future version of, of me and that's a really positive thing that's a great thing that i would love to do it would give me such a big sense of fulfillment so that is my ultimate goal that is what i want to do we'll see where things go but you know who knows that's, that's the exciting part yeah, with everything that I've seen uh, boils down to a very, very exciting future. I can't wait for one to see kind of where you land and uh, see your career unfold. Uh, but uh, Jay, it's been a pleasure speaking to you for the last uh, 45 minutes or so. Before we let you go, an opportunity for you to throw out your socials. So if we want to say hi, learn more about uh, Jay Lamrod and uh, see, um, or say your, 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 your very entertaining Instagram and YouTube, uh, throw your social links this way, mate. Yes, yeah, so Instagram first and foremost, at Jay Lamrod. 
Um, and then YouTube, you can put in Jay Lamrod. You can see my channel. It should come up pretty, pretty quickly. It's the Lamrod way. And that went back to my uh, catchphrase from, you know, from, from that goes back all the way to backyard wrestling, actually. There's a good way, there's a bad way, and then there's a Lamrod way. So uh, that's, uh, that's, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Instagram. Instagram, I'm very active. I do have a Twitter. I don't really use it enough. Maybe I should. I, don't, I, I need to kind of get on board with it a bit more. But Instagram, first and foremost, you guys will see me there. I post stories. I post pictures and videos as much as I can. Feel free to DM me with any questions anytime, and I'm always there. I'm always responsive. I'm more than happy to interact with everyone. That's awesome. Uh, Jay Lamrod, thank you so much for being an awesome guest, and thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, John. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Take care. <laughs>